Duke Tobin was live at the Senior Bowl with things to say about T. Higgins. Plus, we have Brad from PFF stopping by. Coming up next on the Cincinnati Podcast. It's an exciting time to be a Bengals fan. I'm AC Zell. We got a special show as always. The voice of the Bengals. Hello, and world. Willie Anderson. Corey Dillon. The name of this thing is called Cincinnati, and I'm not going to stop it. Talk to us about that roller coaster season. I'm still going to give you the same AJ. I'm going to work as hard as I can to be the best. I've been working here since I met y'all, boy. Yeah. I got to get your top five receivers. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for us. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wincinnati podcast. It's a great day, man, because the last time we saw you, something happened in between there, you know. Some some guys up in Baltimore, Baltimore. That's how they say it, Baltimore. Baltimore. Uh, they <laughs> lost two. They lost two this past. They lost two. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the Ravens took that L. But um, obviously, we got a lot going on in, in Bengals country right now. Senior Bowl revving up. How you doing, Zon? I'm doing good, man. The comments got me like dead already. Cause <laughs> dude was like, "Look at me when I'm talking to you." <laughs> If you don't know, y'all got to get on Twitter. Follow uh, New Straight City. Follow uh, Zim Huday. You got to. He cooked. <laughs> he cooked in this space. He cooked fresh barbecue and, uh, raven for the whole it's so It's so crazy when I go and then go follow Ace on ASC Northup because he cooked them too. We just been on a spree lately. It, but it's so funny when I see something like that because when I'm saying it, you know, I'm not thinking like, you know what I'm saying? Like. You know, yeah. you're getting a good conversation with somebody. You're not thinking about um, later on, like, you know, what could even happen, especially if you get like I get real passionate about certain subjects. So that was one of the ones like after I was talking to them, you know, uh, so what, what I'm referencing in here is I was in a spaces and I was telling purple people about why they lost the game. And after I was finished. You know, I had to go about the rest of my day. But then, you know, I, w- I did kind of think I was like, dang, I did kind of cook. And then I just saw people adding me on Twitter and stuff. And I was like, oh, damn, I must have really cooked because, you know, I don't know. But we'll get to that. We'll get to them later. But I, I just thought that, uh, yeah, it was a good week. You know, on top of that, they lost their defensive coordinator who has been, I'm not going to lie, he, I never was disappointed in him. I mean, I, I never was thinking down on him or whatever because uh, I thought because he was with the Ravens before, Right. Man, he surpassed uh, Mike McDonald. Surpassed everything that I had thought. You could tell by the way that they played. I think that in the combination of Roquan Smith being added to him, whatever, they just looked very different after they got him. And I thought Joe Burrow, he he finally found some adjustments. But that was that's a really good defense, and um, yeah, really good I'm very team. glad that he is not. If y'all don't know, the <laughs> Ravens uh, defensive coordinator is now with the Seahawks and their cornerback coach, who was in high demand, Denard is now also gone, too, and he's gone with the Titans, I believe, and he's over there with Callahan. So Callahan on the oh, off- Yeah, Callahan, shout out to him on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I think the Titans are thinking, hey, man, we're going to finally start throwing the football. And then on the defensive side of the ball, he's like, man, we've got to do some of the AFC North stuff over here. So we're going to see how that goes with them. But uh, great week. We, If you had pure entertainment, me and Ace have been lighting up them Ravens fans like you wouldn't believe. 
<laughs> for sure, for sure. I don't know if Aaron Butler is here. Haven't seen him. Didn't see him on AFC North Talk. Haven't seen him tonight. Aaron, you there? I, I don't know if you're there or not. Uh, but today, let's kind of get into the biggest news, which was Duke Tobin um, meeting with the media at the Senior Bowl, speaking primarily about a number of things, the trenches. But the biggest thing is obviously T. Higgins, right? And uh, one of his quotes did not make it seem like T. Higgins is just a lock to be in there for the roster, right? Like basically he's saying that there's this pie, things have to be taken out of it. Um, and so we're going to try to see what we can do to make it happen and bring T back into the fold. But it wasn't as effusive as his praise was last year where he's like, you know, you got to go get your own T Higgins. We're not in the business of making anyone better. This was quite a departure from that. Honestly, bro, I'm kind of worried about it because it doesn't seem like T Higgins is a lock to stay now. Like it, it seems like they're kind of moving towards optional kind of territory um, in terms of that. Obviously we've seen them do the franchise tag kind of thing. Like, but, what but are, are, you, but, but are you afraid of see for me? I'm mm-hmm. not, af- I, I think the tag is perfect for both parties. I think, I think mm-hmm. that's just my personal opinion. I think it satisfies the uncertainty of the injury history, him playing 67% of his snaps. It also satisfies him being vastly underpaid all this time. And then right. you're not on the hook for it later on. And then also the tag does just secure him. And it says, okay, let's feel offers. Somebody got a first round pick. I doubt it. I'm Mike Brown, but if you got a first, I'll take it. And, and then also it makes, it opens up the room for negotiations. The agent is the, is the bigger issue, I guess. But the market has changed, and that's why I think it's awesome that Brad, we got Brad from PFF um, coming on shortly too. But I think it's, it's awesome to kind of see how that dynamic with his contract has changed. But I don't, I don't know. Did you take anything from the Tobin quotes that would say that you don't think that they would entertain a tag? Is that what you're saying? I mean, the tag, we know that they're going to do the tag. I personally don't like the tag. Like I like it, I like it for him. But I hate it for our situation because, number one, is going to strict what they can do with cap space, right? Because it's guaranteed that that's 20-plus million directly to him. You take that number and combine it with the 10 to 15 mil that they like to roll over year to year. Then you take the 10 million out for the draft class, and it's like, what am I left with? Just T. Higgins right. for one year in a situation where he's playing uncomfortable? Like, I don't, I don't like that because if you just give him the extension, like, if you're willing to give T. T. Higgins – 10 million or 20 million dollars this year why can't you do that over an x amount of years like that just doesn't make sense to me unless it's that you feel like in future years it's not going to give you the flexibility that you need that's the only part of it i don't like is is that part of it it's it's like it kind of handicaps us in both kind of situations t is here but you know he's leaving and then now can i go and get a trent brown can i go and get a chris jones can i go and get any of these players I might not be able to because that 20 million is now tied up with T Higgins. That's really not going to stay with me for real. The, the, the overall thing for me is I feel like we all, we all learn from Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Mm-hmm. You can't just, we already, already are conceding that Tyler Boyd is pretty much gone. Most of us. Right. Yeah. So yeah. maybe there's a world that you bring Tyler Boyd back when then you just let T Higgins walk, which is crazy to me. I don't know. I, I would. I know this is going to sound stupid to a lot of people, but Trent Irwin as the slot, like until we go into the draft, isn't the worst thing in the world. Him and but Charlie he, Jones. He's a free agent. 
He's a free agent. But but think about how easy that would be to bring him back. I would give him like 1.2 and, you know, be like, what you want to do? But the T. Higgins one comes down to what all big free agents want. It's not mm-hmm. about how much per. It's about the money up front, the cash, the guarantees. What are you guaranteeing? And that's the crossroads to the T. I'm with you. 88 mil, four years, seems like easy work to me. You you structure it the way that helps out your your franchise and all these different things like that. It gives you flexibility, all that stuff like that. But if the agent is like, nah, I need guarantee two, three years or whatever, something crazy. Yeah. You know, Bengals be like, yeah, I'm not doing that for this dude that just was hurt and da 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 da. And then and the agent gonna say, well, fine, I'm I'm gonna go hit the market. And I'm gonna find me somebody that will, just like they did Jesse Bates. The Falcons said, "Hell yeah, we." I mean, we're building. We'll give them the money, and and that's the that's the biggest difference. And I, and I think we, I think that's a good time to bring in Brad, though. Honestly, yeah. Let's go ahead and bring <laughs> in the homie Brad. Brad, what's going on, brother? How you doing? How we doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about you guys? Pretty, Pretty good. good. Glad to have you on. Uh, one of our favorite shows that we did with you in the past was bringing you on. We talked free agency. Uh, obviously the biggest thing right now is T Higgins. Let's just get your thoughts on it, man. Cause I know that you have some thoughts on the T Higgins situation. What are your thoughts on how they can afford them? You know, will they pay them if they don't like, what do they do in that situation? Yeah, for sure. So you guys just touched on a good amount of it. I mean, obviously it does complicate the conversation a little bit when you miss a bunch of time, when he did play, obviously, even with Browning at the end of the year, making the miraculous, you know, reaching touchdown and, and making explosive plays, doing what T Higgins does can certainly say, Hey, look, I know I got hurt, but I'm still that dude. Um, you know, I think a franchise tag is an inevitability. Like It's, it's going to happen. Uh, it'll be around 20.7, I think $20.8 million. Uh, you guys were talking about, can they carry that? Yes. They have a ton of cap space right now. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but they're not the most aggressive team in free agency. They'll probably will make some, you know, some, some moves here and there, but they can work around what they currently have. It's interesting, right? So I also agree where the overall value, they could probably find a number the, the number really that matters. Well, first when Joe Burrow signs that contract, right? And, and obviously he's a quarterback. So things are different, but let's look in, the, in their own division. The Pittsburgh Steelers had never guaranteed money in the second year of a deal ever besides a quarterback. And then TJ Watt said, I'm not signing a deal because I don't want I'm trying to help the guys that come up behind me in this Pittsburgh organization unless you're guaranteeing money in the second and for him third year of the deal. And then Mika Fitzpatrick comes up and says what TJ said. And so now you have multiple non quarterbacks that get that. So obviously it's case by case. It's team by team. But I think that is the big push is they want probably at least the first and second new years of a deal to be, if not fully guaranteed, you know, all the first year, 80% of the second year with some early vesting date that kicks in the rest. So effectively the first two years. So there's that. And then the cash flow, um, you know, the, the, the Bengals obviously get decent sized signing bonuses. They'll get those roster bonuses worked in sometimes instead in the first and second year. Here's the, I think it's pretty simple. You had, Terry McLaurin, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Debo Samuel um, all signed extensions last year. A bunch of second-round picks at wide receiver um, in the same you know, sim- similar vein as him. And they got between $50 and $54 million in two-year cash flow. So, obviously, their APY was 22-23 in that range, 24, I think, for D.K. Um, but they said, yeah, I want 50 mil plus in two-year cash flow on this deal. So, like you said, that, that's what they're actually going for. That's what actually is happening in these negotiations is – yeah, the APY with a, with a big fourth year at the end doesn't mean all that much. So I think that's where it falls. I think that is still the conversation. I still think it's possible, um, but I do think a tag comes down first, and, and then we go from there. When, and when you say going from there, 
based off of what you've seen, I, now, if you go to Spotrack, different resources like that, they've kind of decreased the value. I know they put their formula, their formula based off of games play, all these different things like that. Do you think that his market has changed that much since he didn't have like a stellar year? Do you think that it's changed that much, given the fact that he's still 24 years old and a multi-thousand yard receiver? Not really. I mean, of course, to to a degree, maybe the team can leverage more of, hey, look, you missed time. Like, there's a risk there. Let's say you do a prove it year, take a franchise tag, and you miss ten games next year. Then you're going to the open market. These teams that don't know you, and you've now missed significant time two years in a row. But he was able to come back and play at the end of the year. So obviously, he's healthy now, which matters, you know, a, a ton. He's not, you know, doing any surgeries before you know free agency begins, stuff like that. Um, but no, like I said, I mean, he still came back and played like we've seen him play, um, you know, the entire time he's been there. And in this market, you can always, as the agent side, just say, look, if I went to market, I mean, if he goes to market, he's making $25 million a year. Like someone's going to just throw a bag at him. So you always have that, you know, kind of as your leverage and the counter. So not really. I won't address that you just mentioned spot track when, when we're talking. I won't bring that up. Um, go to overthecap.com if you want to look at uh, – <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, oh, but sorry. No, like, no, yeah, I'm, totally, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, but no, no not, not really. Like it's just – yeah, like no, not really. Chris Jones, man. Is it a pipe dream? Straight Can't to the jugular. Or, or like what, what, what's going on there? Is that even possible? I mean, just keep poaching, poaching guys from Kansas City. I love it. Uh, I mean, yeah, look, Fair. like he's going to get an insane contract. I really do believe that. It, uh, yes, he's 29, soon to be 30, but I don't think he was. I think he was. He's still playing at the peak of his powers right now. You also see him now. He lines up as like a five and seven tech and wins off the edge and is like bending the corner against like premier tackles in this league. He's absurd. So I think you're legitimately looking at like, you know, four I have a projected uh, at four years, 120 million. Obviously, some of that is probably a bit of an inflated fourth year. So maybe more, you know, 26, 27 million per year over the first three years. But in that scenario, it's probably like, okay, obviously, Reader, you, you don't bring back in that scenario. I don't know. Any other questions? Like, he's a guy where it's like, okay, if we go with him, Jonah's gone. You know, DJ's gone. Like, all the other – yeah. yeah. Anyway, that, that, that's kind of where it comes <laughs> See out. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll drive you to the airport. All right, all right. <laughs> right. I'm going to say, you got your keys? Uh, uh, what else going to say? Just sticking with the Chris Jones one. I don't know all the particulars and how that went at the beginning of the season. I know that it got kind of ugly, like, you know, at the beginning of the season for Chris Jones with the Chiefs, right? Given that, and then you look at him at the 29 years old, almost 30 years old or whatever. Do you think, and this is, when I look at Joe Burrow's contract and the potential Jamar Chase contract that's kind of awaiting us, right? I feel like the next two years, the Bengals have like a little bit of flexibility and they do have cap space still intact because their cap health is still really good in these in the next two years. I feel like these are the only two years that they would be able to spend. Do you see a situation where Chris Jones might say, I'm not going to take this crazy contract. I'm going to go stick it to them. I'm going to go and do a three, you know, a three year with a, you know, like Bengals get their two years, but they get the third year out just like how all their other contracts are. But maybe they give them that same money and then they fit it into that in that scenario. Do you think Chris Jones, based off of what has happened, does that even seem like something doable based off of you saying that he potentially has a four year, 125 from somebody else on the table? Yeah, I mean, he obviously didn't go super well. It was a little bit combative. Whenever you're missing time, it's never a good thing. He did also get tagged the first time he was up for a deal, and it was, I wouldn't say contentious, but they kind of worked through it. They did eventually get the you know the four-year, $80 million deal done. 
you know, when you keep making Super Bowls every other season of your career, I think you probably the, the animosity goes away a little bit, uh, and that always helps. So, you know, look, I would also say this too: like he's been on a team that he's seen when when guys come up for third deals. Tyree Kill might still be the best wide receiver in the NFL, and they traded that dude two years ago. So it's like they understand it's a business, and when you can actually back it up by saying like. We genuinely don't really do stuff like this. We try to give you second contracts, and then you can go sign a third deal elsewhere. Yeah, I'm sure the relationship isn't isn't the best it's ever been, but yeah, I mean, hey, a spite a spite signing in Cincinnati. I mean, why not? But but I don't know. I'm sure he's trying to get on uh, you know, the most money anyone's offering, but he probably also has a, a good taste of of competitive football and playing in, in January and February. I doubt he's trying to go to some bottom feeder after making the playoffs. I don't know every year of his right. career thus far. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. Mm-hmm. For a team like Cincinnati, obviously they're in a smaller market. Obviously, the high guaranteed contracts kind of force them into kind of somewhat of a money money ball kind of situation. Do you think that that's something that they can play like in free agency and be effective in doing that? Yeah. So I think the, the key there is like, and they've done a very very good job the last couple of years. Maybe last year was kind of a, a quieter season, but you see them attack that second tier. You wait for the first wave. A lot of those big splashes happen. No one was raving about Trey Hendrickson signing his, you know, four-year, $60 million deal. No one was going crazy about Von Bell or Mike Hilton or all these dudes that have turned out to be foundational cornerstones of this defense and really, really important pieces. So I think they just you have to trust that they know what they're doing there, that they want to blend good draft classes with those these mid-tier signings to fill some holes, fill some gaps. You know, obviously, like Nick Scott wasn't – I mean, it's $4 million a year. But, you know, they're going to have some misses here and there too. But I think because of how they go about it and they don't chase the, the – frankly, the Chris Jones type free agents. Um, I, I think they do a very, very good job in, in that respect as well. Which brings us to our next point. Before the show, I've given you some some different targets that me and Ace like. Uh, he's going more money ball approach. I think we're kind of in the same ball, you know, in the same ballpark with with the guys that we've, with, that we've gotten or that we're looking at. Some of the players that I've listed to you are pretty much attacking the trenches, a little bit of like this, a little bit of that. Can we go through players where you can kind of give me an idea what you think that their market would be for those guys if you have that already on file? For sure. So first I would just say I need to give you all some credit because I go on shows like this and I, I talk about can your team sign T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Justin Medivike, Chris Jones. I know we just talk Chris Jones, but – these lists made me happy because I, yeah. So I've, I've projected contracts for every single person We're on here. Except for Mal- yeah. Except for Malcolm. We're Rose. Fan. We know better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So these are all top 150 players, but again, they're not in the top, you know, 20. Um, so yeah, let's just rip through it. So, you know, I think Noah Fant, good move tight end. It obviously makes sense given what they've where done. Is he, where, is he rank, where is he ranked on your list? Because, Brad, you have an article out currently right now. What's the name of the article? Where can people go look at that right now? Yes, just PFF Top 150 Free Agents, and, and you'll find it. There's a whole tool, actually. If you're if you're a PFF subscriber, free agent rankings, you can actually filter by different positions. You can filter by the team needs we've identified uh, as your team needs, and every single one has a write-up based on kind of scheme fit, what, what type yeah. of player they are, and then, of course, there's you know the data and the contract projection. So, yeah, we'll start right off top. So, Noah Fant, I have at three years, $27 million, $9 million a year. The tight end market's been very fickle. We saw with, I guess, Hayden Hurst actually did pretty well, but nobody else in his class did very well. You saw Dalton Schultz and Mike Kosicki and those guys sign one-year deals. So, look, Fant's still a young, former first-round pick. He, he has these, like, splash plays where he you know breaks off 50 yards after the catch and, and, and booms. But this past year, he split time with Will Disley and Kobe Parkinson. Anyway, I, I like that one. I think it's a good one. 
stop me if you want. I'll just rip through a couple on the list. No, here. I, I, I like that stuff. So I'm, I'm doing. I'm gonna do some quick math on on, on the fly because Ace opened up the show and we were talking about the T Higgins combination of maybe signing potentially some of these guys. So I want to like do some quick math. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so three years, nine million a year there. Um, then Mike Almanu, probably the highest projection I have for both of your guys' lists. I mean, he's right tackle or or guard potential, um, I think would fit in this scheme. He's not the greatest second-level mover, but that we saw more inside zone gap concepts. You know, they kind of adjusted over the last couple of years. We'll see where Zach Taylor takes it, but I think he would still be a fit. I think it would be fine. Um, I have him at four years, and it's $14.5 million a yeah. year there. So, like I said, probably the biggest of, of these numbers. The beauty there is it's actually a pretty good class at mostly guard. But, you know, if you want him as a right tackle, I think he fits better at right tackle. Um, Obviously, the Patriots and and, and maybe other teams don't agree with that. But good player, going to get a solid deal. But there's a lot of pending guards that are going to get big, big money. So, yeah, four years, uh, $58 million total for Mike Onwenu. I like the versatility of him. They've asked him to do a bunch of different things on the O-line. I think that was one of Ace's picks. He's a little too rich for my blood because I think I'm looking at tackle early in the draft. It makes total sense, yeah, especially with kind of where they're sitting now. So, okay, all right, I'll, I'll jump over to, to Zim's top two now. All right, so two tackles, both that had spent time with the Patriots. Uh, the first is Trent Brown. Trent Brown's fascinating. Whenever he plays, he's awesome. Uh, I mean, he can play on both sides of the line. He is one of the better pass protectors in the NFL, has been for a while. But, you know, he comes with, you know, he has weight clauses in his contract, so he doesn't weigh, like, I think it was like 375 pounds. He had to stay below. Um, and he earns a little bit of extra cash during the workouts. If you, so, like, you know, he's going to miss he's gonna miss a couple games here and there. He's You know, he comes with – but, like, I, I thought this past year was one of his better years in the NFL. I have him at two years, $15 million, which might even be on the high side, frankly. It's a little bit more than he's making right now. But his contracts kind of fluctuate based on almost like a Javian Clowney. It's like if you have a good year on your one-year flyer, you get a better one-year flyer the next year. You have a down year, you sign you know the, the one-year four million in, in Baltimore. So anyway, two years, fifteen for him. Can play both sides. Was good as a right tackle. Obviously, I'm assuming that's that's the idea there. I yeah. like that fit as well. That one though. All right. So in my mind, I feel like the Bengals should be all in on something like that. We're gonna get to the the next yeah. one right after nice that budget one. But nice yeah, budget. but. <laughs> two years like 15 like seven and a half are you serious and then i give him a, i give him a sweet little signing bonus or whatever is the fear now i've heard so many other things about him behind the scenes you talk about the injury stuff you talk about the attitude stuff i don't know if the Bengals will buy into that part i think joe burrow and orlando brown kind of like help like home, like get that together or whatever but why is it so low when i look at how well he's performed this past year it what else is pulling them down yeah, so I mean, he will be 31 next year. Okay. He signed a two-year deal like, for 11 and a half base in New England before 2022, uh, I guess. And uh, there were incentives there, so it was you know up to two years, 16. So I kind of just you know worked off that a little bit. But yeah, it's also I mean, he played 579 snaps this year. He did play a full thousand in 2022, but he played 550 in 2021. So you know he, okay. he might miss half the season. It's always a risk. Okay, I'm like I said, I'm going to the, I'm going early in this draft to get my tackle though. So regardless, we're going we we're now making the offensive line a point of strength. All right, who who else do we have? What's our next guy? For sure, yeah. And fortunately, there's a ton of good tackles, you know, and guards in the, in this draft class. So uh, that, I've been watching. Some sen- you've been watching the Senior Bowl? Absolutely, absolutely. More of the tackles, I guess, than guards. But J- Jackson Powers Johnson, I know he could be a center, but he, he's a beast. Um, so anyway, so Jermaine Illuminor is our next guy here. So I mentioned, played for the Patriots for a little bit as well. Been in Las Vegas the last two years. I, I think he is 
he was always a swing tackle. He is a little bit limited athletically. Like he's a right tackle, but you don't really see they don't run behind him as like a as a foundational principle. Um, like he's not going to like pull on the right side and, and be the lead blocker. But he's a really good pass protector, and he has been for two years in a row now. Um, I think he handles speed to power well, um, and, and just has a good solid base. Anyway, two years, fourteen and a half million for Jermaine Illuminor. You might again be like, why is it so low? You know, I mean, this guy wasn't starting for the first you know five years of his career. He, he's probably viewed as a swing by some teams. He was great in 2022, still only signed a one-year, I think, $3.5 million deal uh, with the Raiders. So I, I, again, might be on the high side uh, in saying two years, 14 and a half. That sounds like a quite a bargain there. I like did that. Y'all, Ace, <laughs> did you see the quote that he had about two days ago, and he said he does not like the cheese. He, like he, the wants, cheese. he wants to beat the cheese. I don't think you want to go to a bum team to go and beat the cheese. But go ahead. <laughs> No, you don't. The rest of the AFC West is not where you're trying to go. The Chargers aren't beating the Chiefs anytime, <laughs> anytime so. The Broncos, well, I guess they did this year. But anyway. Um, I'm sure Harbaugh will have them playing. I don't know. We'll see. Eventually. They'll get there eventually. 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 Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll pivot how, back how, how, how old is Jermaine Illuminor? 29 years old. So also a little, okay. bit, a little bit on the older side as well. But, Perfect. you know, tackle and even we're talking about D-tackle with Chris Jones. Trench guys, I think, age a little bit better. The further you are from the ball, I think the steeper your drop-off is from an age standpoint. I think you can get away with it in the trenches for a little bit longer. Okay. All right. Um, I shouldn't say I think. That's based on, you know, research we've done over here. So, uh <laughs> Uh, so I'll pivot back over to Ace's top five here. Uh, Raquan Davis with Miami Dolphins. That was an interesting shout. Uh, like I said, you guys are bringing up some, some good, fun names. I found him interesting. So so he's in the lower end of my list. He's 120th out of 150 I have up there right now. Um, I thought he got better this year, though. He is, you know, like your true nose tackle, like one zero mm-hmm. tech, you know, kind of run defender first type player. Um, I thought early on he kind of got displaced with the ball a little bit too easily um, or w- would kind of just get his feet tangled up underneath him. But I think you saw growth this past year at his highest grade and stuff like that. You know, did better with run stops and all that. So that's an easy one. It's two years, seven and a half million. And I don't see any scenario Miami keeps him really just because you already extended Zach Sealer. You're probably trying to keep Christian Wilkins. I guess maybe they could because he won't be that expensive. But but yeah, two years, seven and a half mil. And I like that as a rotational interior guy. Let me ask you this. Is that guy at, at a at a contract that low? Is that a guy that you come back to after the draft? Or do you think that he, he, I, I don't know if that is, is he even going to be gone before the draft? It's a fair question. It definitely obviously not going to be first wave. I'm trying to look up now when your old friend uh, Andrew Billing signed with my, my Chicago Bears last year. Like it was later on. I think it was still pre-draft, but it was probably like April at that point. Right? Like it was multiple weeks into free agency. Uh, and similar profile got drafted on, you know, what was it third or fourth round? Didn't mm-hmm. show a lot early, but kind of slowly started to stack things together, make things work for himself. Um, and, and you know, I know, as like I said, former Bengals, he was incredible for the Bears this past year, which might shock. Really, he was, was awesome. He got extended like ten weeks through the season because he was the best defensive lineman on the team. Like, which also just shows how bad That's the defensive crazy. line is. But <laughs> he was a beast. He's a mauler for the. Uh, yeah, he's been really, really good as a Bear. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Billings was my guy, man. It, they just ended up. DJ Reader was there, so they had to they had to move in another direction. But I I like Raekwon as kind of like a cheap potential fix um, for DJ Reader, even if you bring in another guy in the draft, because the kid's like 25. So like to get a young kid that's 25, that's kind of on the upper trend, I just kind of felt like, hey, why not just try to go after somebody that's out there? Yeah, and definitely. he's six seven. He's like six seven three thirty five or something like that. Something he's a big crazy. dude. Yeah, we have him six seven three thirty five. Yeah, former second round pick. Yeah, he's a he's a big dude. He play, like he plays good snaps. He just I don't know early on maybe bad leverage, bad pad level. But I thought he was better this past year. Yep, 
I think I mean I don't you know the depth chart on our end. I think two power regressed or whatever. I look at him as a great rotation piece. I don't know. Um, it, I guess it depends on so many other things. Some of these other names too. Who you got next? Yeah, yeah but uh, I think the committee kind of platoon approach at defensive line could make sense. So put it back to your side, a higher side defensive tackle, and, and that would be Sheldon Rankins. Um, he definitely had a great year this past year in Houston. Um, this is the kind of the, the inverse. He's a very good pass rusher. Um, I think he was okay as a run defender this past year. It's not really his bread and butter, but um, I mean, a good spin move for a big dude on the interior. I think as, as years have gone on, you see him get better use of his hands, like more developed and refined as a pass rusher. But yeah, he closed the year on, on an absolute heater. Um, a big reason why they made that late season push and, and won a playoff game. I have met two years, 20 mil. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a higher side expenditure, but we saw last off season. I mean, all the top guys, of course, at D-tackle, all the you know early extensions, Jeffrey Simmons, Quinn Williams, et cetera. But you know, Draymond Jones getting $17 million a year, Zach Allen getting 15 and a half or whatever that one was, right around there. So yeah, anyway, he's 20, he's gonna be 30, um, but two years 20, and you're getting a guy that's gonna give you 600 snaps, 35, 40 pressures, six, seven sacks. Like it's he's a good football player. See, I'm putting him, I'm coming back, I'm swinging around the block. I think DJ Reader, right? A lot of people, it makes no sense for him to sign before the draft because people are going to have questions about the injury and you can maximize your value. You go to the draft, see what you come out with. I'm ho- I, I'm more so, the more the days go on, I'm looking at D-line, like I'm hoping Murphy or the, or Newton are there right there at 18. We take that pick and then we, we keep it moving. We come swing around the block after the draft and we say, hey, DJ, you're in our facilities using all of our stuff. I put DJ Reader next to Sheldon Rankins and the new guy, and then I'm 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 right back, and I still got BJ Hill. I that that's that was my line of thinking with that. I'm not none of the guys that I'm picking. I'm saying like I'm counting on just solely you. The Chris Jones approach to me isn't like you kind of hinted on it. I don't know if that's like Cincinnati like you know approach to just say I'm gonna put everything I got into this one guy. I kind of watch how they move on a lot of different things. And I think they like they put guys in some real good spots with other people around them and the best resources around them. Totally. Totally. That's my you know perception of it as well. So, yeah, I mean, I do think Newton will be there at 18. Love middle Illinois, but I think he's dropping a little bit right now. I think it'll still be a first rounder, but I think. He'll Why be is he dropping? Oh, say it again. Why is he dropping? Arm limb? I think, yeah, I was going to say arm length, a little bit undersized. Um, but that's like a Klaja Kansi story last year. And Klaja Kansi yeah. had like 11 pressures in two playoff games and uh, two sacks. So, you know. Big, big Kansi fan right here. Big I don't like Kansi it. Fan. I love Kansi. I don't think I like Newton's burst is or that first little quick little uh, as much as Kansi, but he's stronger. And yeah. I just think that he could push the pocket like early on in his career, like no problem. I would agree. I would agree. I thought it was Penn State game. Like he kept him in the game the first three quarters of the game. Um, you know, that was you want to see a game? Go watch Shelton Rankins kill Joe Burrow uh, in the Texas game. That's part of the reason why I put him on. He, he, there you go. He, he, sl- I, he yeah. slammed Joe Burrow so hard, I thought he had a concussion or something. <laughs> I don't know if people remember this player's in the red zone. Like he just totally blows up, uh, I think, Kappa, and it just flies by and just dunks Joe Burrow on his head. Like I was like, oh my God. All right. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. All right. So <laughs> what? We'll pivot back over to uh, Ace Top 5, Javon Kinlaw. Interesting study here. Obviously, you know, a guy they traded to Forrest Buckner to just use the 13th overall pick or 14th overall pick, whatever it was, um, on Javon Kinlaw. He is still so bad against the run, which is frustrating because he is like this this freak athlete from a size strength standpoint, 6'5", 320. You saw it on his tape. It was South Carolina I think he came out of, but he still just gets displaced so easily. Um, but 
he showed way more pass rush juice this past year. He saw him get up field very quickly when they allowed him to kind of just one gap and not read and react the one and a half or two gap. Like he just, he has that burst still, um, you know, but like I said, by far his best year, but he, he's kind of the opposite of the, the early down. He's kind of like right now, like late, later down, you know, obvious passing situation um, guy, but yeah, I had him at just a one year flyer for five and a half mil. I mean, it's someone will buy on the potential, but it's funny, like the Niners are infamous the last five, six years at getting every single ounce of talent out of their defensive line. Their D-line coach, Chris Kotcharek, is like this, you know, like lauded as one of the best in the business. And yet the 13th overall pick they took, like just has never panned out. But anyway. No, I, I think you're right, man. Ken Law is one of those guys that didn't live up to, to the hype. And I'm just right. banking on like the potential rotational piece kind of guy, like kind of filling the Zach Carter role that we have. That Zach Carter has just really struggled to to fill at the five tech position or something like that. That's that's what my my idea was was finding young guys with potential, trying to play money ball, right? Like we're trying to replace some of these stats with less money and, and younger guys. That's what that's what the good teams do, right? When you have that luxury, you're already set at the you know premium spots, and you kind of fill out. No, I I couldn't agree with you more there. So. I mentioned Malcolm Roach. You know, I don't mean this to be mean. Like, probably get him for I don't know one year, one and a half mil. He's a good early down, early down run guy, okay. but he'll play 300 snaps a season. You know, rotational piece. He's solid, but yeah, there's there's not any kind of concern there of, of missing out. If you wanted to sign him, you could probably sign him. Um, okay. And then, oh, go ahead. No, that 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 was good because that that like like I said afterwards, it was like my thought process of. I'm going to add, I'm going to come out of the draft. I've added my Newton. I've added, or I've added, I haven't gotten into the draft like heavy enough. I just know the guys in the first round. I've added something in the draft. And then I come back later on, I add a vet. You know, like like I said, that room needs a complete overhaul from the Bengals. Like I, it, most Bengals fans would agree with me where it was just piss poor, probably the worst defensive front that we've had in a very long time. So getting yeah, well, guys like that in there in the back end is like what I'm looking for. Yeah, no, once they lost Reader, they were, they were getting pushed around a good bit. So, um, yes, yeah, so we got a receiver on here uh, for KJ Osborne. Does oh. have inside-outside flex. I think he fits better on the outside, So, um, but he certainly can play in the slot. He had a bunch of drops this year, but he's a productive guy. Like, he is uh, a solid receiver, nothing special, limited athlete, but just a good, reliable number three, maybe number four. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Kirk Cousins is targeting him, you know, as often as he was putting up five, 600 yards a season as the number three at best option, you know, the entire time. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind that move at all. I had two years, 10 million. And honestly, again, that might even be a little bit generous. That's generous for me, for me. I mean, I, I, I look at Tyler Boyd, I look at him and I say like, I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I, our teams offer, you think his market would be higher than like 9 million out here? I had Boyd at two years, 17 and a half. So 8.75 mil per year. Right there. He's right there. Yeah. There you and go. I mean, for me, I mean, I'm moving on from Boyd and then I'm replacing it with like for the, for the, Bengals, for damn near the, the same I, price. The one um, thing I want to ask you, Brad, is they clearly have one of the most expensive defensive lines in the league, but they're not really getting much on the return there. Like I look at a guy like Sam Hubbard, he's making 10 million this season. Like, does that money make sense, especially with them having like a Miles Murphy, them paying Trey Hendrickson 20 mil this season, um, and then playing BJ Hill another 10 mil? Like, are they really getting what they need from that position, or do you think that they should restructure some of those deals? 
I, I do think I saw some growth from Miles Murphy over the course of the year. Like, I think he got better. You know, maybe you'd say not not all that you wanted to see from a first rounder, but I think you saw flashes there. But I'm with you. I mean, Hubbard is in, is a run defender that you're paying like mid tier money. So it's fair to be like, you know, maybe we're not getting enough there. Like, he can, he's a straight line athlete. He can win on, you know, if he has unblocked pressures and stuff, he'll get home, but he's not winning one on one pass rush reps all that often or, you know, get, doesn't a lot of good bend or anything like that. I don't know if you caught him or anything, but, you know, they set a precedent last year with Joe Mixon. Like, if they want to continue to chase these windows and, and maybe approach some veterans for pay cuts and stuff like that, it's always maybe yeah, an option. Know. I don't know if Hubbard will say yes. But, yeah, I, I, the defense, I'm with you guys. The defensive line was not good enough this past year, and, and it needs – I agree where I would throw, like, five different players at it instead of maybe one splash. But, yeah, I think another another edge on top of all the – you know, another other young guys there too, you know, mm-hmm. Joseph Asai, et cetera – but I wouldn't mind a decent size expenditure at that position too. Don't like when Ace was saying like the highest paid defensive line. Doesn't that change now that you got? I was reading an article. I forgot where I was reading it at, but I, I saw them going more so to the middle of the pack, like seventeen for something like the highest spend with DJ Reader's money coming off the books, and then you got uh, other teams now having to pay some of their players or whatever. Do you know like where they stand after this season now that DJ Reader's like? You know, that contract's now off the books. And now, like, I know a lot of Bengals fans say that a lot. Like, man, we're paying the defensive line so much, but I don't even know where it stands in 2024, like, compared yeah, so to the rest of the NFL. It wasn't number one last year. I think it may have been second or third. The Steelers were the most expensive D-line last year. But um, if you look at just cap hit, which obviously is not, you know, the, the cash, but in 2024, as of today, uh, the Bengals are six. So you still, and that's without obviously DJ Reader money, or maybe there's some dead cap associated there. I, I could be uh, forgetting, but but yeah, like it's it. They're not that's on crazy. paper right now good enough to be making you know six six most among all edge that's edge defenders. So I guess let me look at the interior. It's because interior, of the Trey Hendrickson extension. So Trey Hendrickson's getting like 20 mil just himself. Yeah, like, yeah. and then you got the 10 mil for BJ Hill and the 10 mil for for Hubbard. Sam. Yeah, the interior is cheap. Interior is not even top fifteen. So you know, overall, it's probably not. It's probably around middle of the pack now uh, in terms of your cap hit. And look, Hendrickson's getting extended. He's not going to have the twenty million dollar cap hit. He'll, he'll sign a new deal, and and that number will come down. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. We'll we'll see what happens. I I, I don't know if this is real too. Someone was telling me because I know Ace. You might have said it first, but the Sam Hubbard restructure is come out that he was hurt most of the season. I don't know how he feels as like a rotational piece. Like, you know, for me, I think it would extend his career. I don't think he's looking to not be starting on the outside or whatever, but the restructure makes so much sense. Or even like, I don't know, like a signing bonus or something, just cut that that cap number down and we fit somebody else like a Luminor like on the roster. To me, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. Do we have anybody left on the list? We got one more. We got one more. Uh, And that is uh, Packers safety Darnell Savage, who – is a rangy guy went in the first round for a reason. He has good ball skills. Just like his, his effort against the run. When I watch is, is tough. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't mean that in like the tough as a good thing, uh, kind of way. Um, you but, see him a lot. You see him a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, but no, he is, he, he can play, you know, the deep third or in, in two high stru- in split safety structures. He, he does have good ball skills. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a good, like I said, he's a first rounder for a reason. I just have two years, 10 million. That style Ooh. of safety Never gets paid in free agency. If you are a ball hawking, like, you know, guy that doesn't make a ton of defensive stops, come down, run the alley, and, and make plays against the run, you just don't get paid. I mean, there Savage is, ba- is barely been on my top 150. Um, he's 145th on, out of 150. And there's, like, 
Wow. I have a bunch of, you know, like uh, Gino Stone of Baltimore is ahead of him. Julian Blackman, Indy's ahead of him. What do you um, think, Gino? What do you think Gino Stone is about? Before Gino Stone, that's what I want to know. We want to know. What is Gino Stone? <laughs> like, what is that, Mark? You know why we're saying this, right? Because there's now Lou and, uh, I mean, Tobin came out today or yesterday, I believe, and said they got to figure out how they can make Dax Hill really good at one thing. He said he wasn't interested in him being like a Swiss army knife. I don't know if a lot of people read that, but he was talking about how in my mind, I want to use him like that and move him all over the pe- all over the field, like a chess piece. I don't think like, to me, I'm done with the deep third Jesse Bates replacement on him. I do see his value in the box. And that's why I'm saying out of that safety, no mistake, like no mistake free, Maybe Dax Hill plays 20 to 30 snaps a game. We might look at him as a bust, but he makes big plays at, you know, like at big times. And that's that's where I'm coming from with the whole safety thing. I like him more down the box, too. I, I feel like he just makes more splash plays near the line. Um, you know, a little bit of nickel, nickel at times, nickel blitzes, different different packages. So I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, just like the, the veteran Sweet. safety market, like the beauty of like, seriously, if you're trying to get a. Nice. a yeah, yeah. Um, two years, two, ten? Five per for seven. Yes, we just gave Nick Scott bump. You gave him four. We, yeah, <laughs> we just gave yeah. him four. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a super <laughs> it's a super loaded market though too. There are so many safeties available. This is probably the biggest thing I've learned from doing this is like I'm I was way too high early on, and maybe I've overcorrected, but projecting safeties that are just rangy ball hawks, giving them way too high of projections. And I had to after the first year, you know, I had like I'm trying to think of like Anthony Harris coming out of Minnesota, gets franchise tagged, had all this production, um, signed like a one year three million dollar flyer with the Eagles coming out of Minnesota because he just like doesn't didn't come down and make plays, you know, and like teams just think it's more of a replaceable skill set because mm-hmm. yeah, like the, the the ten guys on the field besides you could make a ton of plays and you're not really doing all that much, so. Yeah, I don't think Savage again. Like maybe I'm, I, of course, I can be wrong on all of these, but I mean, you guys, you guys can be shocked when I say the Geno Stone number. Um, yeah, that's what I want to hear. What yeah, it was just two years, number? thirteen mil. Wow. See, I, you think, Ace, you think like I see. I don't think the Bengals want to put too much into that. Like to me, that's I, I would love it, but I'm I just, think that, I don't think the like, Bengals will be like, well, we just got Dax Hill first round, like we're not doing it. Ben, I don't think the Bengals would do it, but I think that's like, damn, that means the Ravens can bring them back. That's that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> they could, but they have so many tough decisions. I mean, you have Matt Abike, you have both your edge yeah. rushers. You also had in Geno Stone, Kevin Zeitler at, at guard is still a good player. Like, they, and they already have an extremely expensive roster across the board. So yeah, they're right. look, trust me, they're going to lose a lot of talent. It, it feel feel good about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry you, if you're Geno Stone, why would you sign up to be like the third guy with Kyle Hamilton and <laughs> um and, and uh Marcus Williams? Like, right. That's, that's how I look at it. I'm like Geno's right thinking I'm a starting safety in the NFL. Yeah. No, I I'd be surprised if he's back unless yeah unless the market doesn't pan out for him. Um, because yeah, like you said, they, they said the most big nickel and big dime packages and and three safeties out there. He yeah. So anyway, yeah. Look again, like it could be low, but that that's happened time and time again. Um, you know, I like Jordan Battle a lot. Thought he was a really good rookie. So I, I don't think it's like a dire need per se, but I, I definitely, you know, I, I mentioned a couple guys like Julian Blackman to me. Like go check him out. Very oh, interesting. Yeah. He was I thought about him. Yeah, he was only yeah. there free safety the first couple of years, like exclusively because Gus Bradley plays more cover three than anyone. And then this year, he played like 700 snaps in the box. He's a former corner, and you saw it when he had a couple of interceptions. He had a nice pick against the Patriots. 
Um, but just brought him down to the line of scrimmage. And I thought it was a better fit for him. Some nickel, you know, taking number three receiver, stuff like that. I mean, talk about an all-time shit talker would fit in Cincy with you guys. You got Chauncey Gardner Johnson out there. Uh, you know, why not bring him in? Can play nickel, can play safety. And now nah, um, he talked too much. <laughs> he talked too much. <laughs> Hell no. He's Eli yeah. Apple level. It's too, it's no, too much. Put, <laughs> man, he put a target on our back so crazy. Them guys oh, in no. our division yeah, hate us. No, that dude talk. You know, I, you know somebody that I really feel like is one of the most underrated safeties in the league, and you might blow me away with this number. But Cameron Curl, like my family, I live in the D.C. area. Cameron Curl is a guy that people do not talk about. But if you watch a Commanders game, this dude flies to, to any type of action. He's one of my favorite safeties in the NFL. I know we're kind of going a little longer than normal, um, you know, but do, do you got an idea what you where you had him at? And where does yeah. he rank that on your list? Yeah, so he's 21st. I agree with you. I think he's a stud. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Cameron Curl guy. He will get he's the not. knock. We'll hear it in free agency. He hasn't had a pick since his rookie season, but he flies around the field. Um, yeah, not not a ton of ball production, but I just feel like at safety, that's like kind of random. I have him just getting tagged, which we'll see new ownership, new new regime, all that. Yeah. I think if he doesn't, it'll be three years, 40. And it's because it's a seventh round pick. Yeah. Again, I mentioned this, you know, like Marcus Williams got $14 million a year. So, um, you know, he was obviously just as good, if not better in, in New Orleans. So, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I love Cameron Curl. I know this is a Bengals podcast, but before we get you out of here, you said you're a Bears fan. Caleb Williams? Yeah. Caleb Williams? Yeah. Yeah. Caleb's Caleb a Bear. Bear. Should okay. be, Caleb should be looking for real estate in Chicago. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, what do you think not, you guys are going to do? You're not going field? field? Like, are you going to – do you trade fields, or what do you do in that situation? Yeah, I, I think you get probably a second-round pick, maybe a little bit of change. You know, Darnold was a 2-4 and a 6. You try to get in that in that neighborhood. Look, I love fields. Oh, the, the guy, I mean, he's like the easiest person to root for of all time. I, I know why there's like a fields cult, and, and there's battles every single day on Twitter and, and uh, Bears like spaces. He oh, did improve this year. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he had the worst roster in the NFL his first two seasons. I won't dispute that. Um, he did get better this year. I just, I don't know. I, I just don't think you can pass up on the number one overall pick two years in a row. Um, and, and I do think Caleb is a pretty special, not perfect. He's not generational, whatever buzzword you want to put on it. Uh, but I think he's an elite tier one prospect. Just don't trade him to the Steelers. I was just about to say that. Oh my God. You're like, you're like a second like, round apparently, pick? apparently Arthur Smith, when, when Atlanta had the fourth pick that year, like he was not a Fields fan. So I, I don't think that yeah. happens. Okay. That's great news. Nice. That's great news. <laughs> Nice. Well, Dad, before okay. you get out of here, please let people know uh, where they can find your stuff. We appreciate you coming by, providing this great insight. But please let the people know. That was where good. They can find yeah, of course. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at pff underscore Brad and all my content coming out of pff.com. Like I said, free agent top 150 already on the board. That'll be 300 in the next month. And uh, contract projections, stats, film analysis, all, all that good stuff. All right, brother. We appreciate it, man. Thank you for, for stopping by. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Brad, Brad Spielberger. Look at the brain on Brad. <laughs> he just hey, did it. What he does, man. He's a, I was really, he's really stuff. shocked at some of those. Were, was there a player that really kind of caught you off guard where you thought maybe it was more than you thought or less than you thought? I mean, the, the Darnell Savage deal. <laughs> Darnell the, Savage. The Geno Stone. I wouldn't mind bringing Geno Stone over. I, I think that the Bengals wouldn't. I, I they would look at it like Nick Scott situation again. Like Nick, I'm yeah. I'm 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 operating. Nick Scott is gone. I think he's better than Nick Scott though. Like yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah, he's better I'll than Nick Scott. This, it could be a fluke though, because like the the number of interceptions he had, like 
interceptions are just they're like bro, very bro, I, I promise you if the Bengals just get defense alignment up front some of the flaws on the back end won't even be that crazy all we need is competent play you know what really messed me up with Dax Hill remember when we was beating the crap out the Browns in the last game of the season and then he gave up those two touchdowns at the end against bums and backups those two plays are on him and I'm like bro like they purposely kept him in there just because they wanted him to play certain things and he failed miserably in that spot. And I'm not giving up on him. I just think that they got to put him in the best position. Just feel to like succeed. it's got to be somebody there to push him. Like it, it got to be just like just like Battle did. Nick Scott, you got to have somebody that's right over top of his like neck to be like, hey, look, like look, I really do this. So if you're if you're gonna make mistakes, Savage. Gino, see the only thing about the Gino number, that number isn't it, it's not bad if they give him cash. If they gave him like six, seven million dollars up front, yes, you're right. That's a beautiful thing. The cap hit it's probably like four or five million or something like that. The cap equation, I that I have a little calculator or whatever. Like the cap hit will be nothing. But the problem that I think that the Bengals were saying is if you're signing that to me, that's like the beginning of starting level money to me. Like yeah. five million. Five million is pushing it, and by saying that, you're now saying, I know how our front office is. They would say, that's our starting safety, and I don't think that they would feel that comfortable doing that based off of what Duke Tobin has said about Dax Hill and yeah, how they feel. Nice. I mean, that's a fir- that's a first-round pick. You can't just say, ah, move out the way. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, know. I agree. Let's talk about what we were talking about before the show. Why are people trying to trade T. Higgins for a second round draft pick? Do they do they realize that's what Chase Claypool went for? Like, why are you giving away a receiver that someone would pay twenty four million for? No problem for a second round draft pick. You do, do you know how insane that sounds? That is not getting proper value for T. Higgins whatsoever. Like, it's got to Like, I don't want to trade T. You guys already know that, but there's no way in hell that you're convincing me that T Higgins, a player that could be considered at worst, a top 20 NFL wide receiver, you are trading him for a second round draft pick. Chase Claypool isn't a top 50 wide receiver. And he went for a second round draft pick. Basically that's what the Steelers were able to get for him. That is just insane to me. Like if you're going to get something for him, which again, I do not, I'm not a proponent of trading him. I don't like the tag and trade thing or whatever, but there is no way in hell you're selling me on a second round, a Drew Sample, a Drew Sample. We've drafted Drew Sample in the second round. We've drafted Jackson Carmen in the second round. You're telling me that I would trade T Higgins for that? That is insane. At that point, you're better off keeping him. I'm not trading him. That's what him. I'm saying. That that's when we, when we open and and you were like, um, that's why I was asking. I was like, are you worried about? To me, the tag locks him in, and at least you you know what you know what Bengals fans always say, and I and I think we probably caught ourselves. And I remember the year that we signed Reed, and he was like, man, for once I want them to go all in. You know what all in to me is for real. Is paying T Higgins twenty million dollars and saying we're tagging you? Like I get it, he's already in the building, but to me that would be like us, like just act like y'all never seen T Higgins in a Bengals uniform. If you if the, if you were to go get a dun 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 dun, and Bengals sign T Higgins wide receiver for one year, like you'd be like, bro, they really pushed the chips in, and they're about to go take a you know put Jamar Chase with T Higgins in it. 
I think because people know that T. Higgins is already on our team, they're just like, yeah, I think we could figure out. Bro, y'all just ran through the same exact example of what is transpiring currently right now. Tyler Boyd is probably on the way out. You just lost Von Bell and Jesse Bates. You think that you're going to come back and take away your starting two wide receiver. I mean, your starting uh, number two yep. wide receiver and your number three wide receiver. And then you're just going, and Joe Burrow's just going to cook. And then the number one argument that I hate on the internet, and I used to like it, and I might be guilty of this, and it, and it is true, but it's like Joe Burrow doesn't need the resources to cook. What about Joe Burrow, like, want, like giving him the best opportunity to succeed? How many times are we going to sit back and be like, well, I mean, Joe Burrow could throw to anybody, and whatever, but he doesn't have to because the Bengals have the sixth most cap space in the NFL. Stop using that as like a cop-out. The other cop-out that people do is try to put T. Higgins. Um, I, I, hey, Rafa King, I, I promise we're going to get to your Super Chat. You but we, you, were, you, we were interviewing um, Brad just now, so I had to go to it. But this you. is the thing. Um, people say – Oh yeah, if you get T. Higgins, you can't sign da 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 da, and you can't. That's that's not true. That was part of the reason why Brad came on just now, and I I meant to ask Brad this too. When we get closer to free agency, we're gonna make some graphics and we're gonna try to do some stuff like and do like the mocks and stuff. It's just so early. I wanted to give everybody like a little appetizer of this is what we're thinking in free agency. But later on, people are gonna try to tell you that. You can't tag T. Higgins and you can't get tackles and stuff. That's why we pick like Illuminor, Trent Brown, and guys like that to say, these are guys that are starting that have played really, really well, and you could go back to the draft and go get a tackle as well. T. Higgins doesn't have a – he's not part of that conversation. And I just want to make that clear that just because you're tagging him doesn't mean that other things can't happen. Yeah, so we got a super chat here from Rafa King. Appreciate that, bro. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to bring that up during the time that we were on the guest. But yeah, we'll sorry about that, man. Sorry about that. Um, Jacksonville would trade a first round pick for T to reunite him with Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne if the Bengals would do a sign and trade. Here, here's my problem. Would you do that? No. Why really? Would I, why would I trade? To another contender in the AFC. Why would I do that? Why would I make the Jacksonville Jaguars better? Like this is a team that like I want to see T. Higgins. So let's let's get this straight. T. Higgins has probably been killing our D, our corners. He knows them the best because he practices against them day in and day out. You want to take one of your best players that's gonna change your philosophy up because now teams are going to be able to just double team Jamar Chase with no problem. But you guys aren't thinking about that. But not only that, T Higgins knows these corners in and out. So when he lines up across from CTB and all of these guys, he already knows what to do against them. So you're going to send him to another team in the AFC that could be up there for a playoff race. And this is a guy that also played with Trevor Lawrence in college. So they already have chemistry and, like, you're giving them a top 10 receiver, that's the part of it that just doesn't make sense, bro. Like, you can't just, like, you can't just take, like, a Jamar <laughs> Chase and be like, hey, let me give him to the Chiefs, or hey, let's Oh, no, nah, Jamar Chase is untouchable. Like, if you're going to do that trade, it has to be to the NFC. Like, most teams don't want to see some of their best players. Could you imagine if Jesse Bates was coming back on an AFC team? He just went out there and was first team all pro. Like, what but do you but think T. Higgins but all right. So so I'm gonna definitely go against this. I, I don't I, I I don't I don't care that if he goes to the Giants. I don't care where he goes. 
Okay. I'm looking at it as I'm you getting the first the Chiefs, round. You okay with that? I'm not okay with it on the strength of I don't want to see the Chiefs get better and I and I don't want to see the Jazz get better. But yeah. there are things that are out of my control. So mm-hmm. say that you're stopping you from trading a guy in the AFC this year. After the tag, he can go wherever he wants. He could potentially go to like a Chiefs the following year and there's nothing you could do about it. That's true. So like me stopping him for one year doesn't it, – it's not a big factor in it. And, and mind you, I'm a – Tag T, let's ride this the ride the wave of this season out. Mm-hmm. If somebody's offering a first round pick and he was just kind of not healthy this year, the year before he wasn't either, I could take that first round pick from a team like the Jags and I could flip that into maybe like I could move up with some of the third and the fourth round pick. I could do so much with a first round pick. The second round pick is not enough for me. I'm not saying I would do it. A hundred percent because I need to know what is the plan, but think about what you could do with the first round pick and an extra $22 million. The exercise that we just talked about, we probably could go get like a Chris Jones with the same 20. What makes the Bengals so dangerous though, man? It's Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Like I'm going to take, take the first round pick and I'm going to definitely draft a wide receiver because I got another I got another first round pick. And then I probably get like a low level wide receiver that I don't like. I don't yeah, that's the part that me and you on the same page. I just don't like cuz the the biggest part about this that I think people are skipping over is not only do you have to replace T, you're also replacing Tyler Boyd. You just mentioned that earlier. Like, we're not replacing just one player. We're trying to replace two. So in order to do that, like, I don't, I don't know, man. I just – yeah, I it's get it. Like, if you got to do what you got to do, you got to do it. But I just don't even know why we're even looking at this as an option because when it comes to what makes this team special, to me it's nine, it's one. And it's five. Like it to me, this is just me. <laughs> Somebody might get offended yeah. or whatever. Anybody nah, else can I feel roll. the same way. Anybody else can roll. Like <laughs> I don't care. Like anybody, as long as I got those three, anybody right. else can roll. But I mean, it is what it is. To me, it's, it's <laughs> like having it's like having Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, and Reggie Wayne. Like you wouldn't get rid of like the Colts would never be like, hey, let's get I'm rid sure. of Reggie Wayne. Like <laughs> But it is what it is. It's, it's stuff that's the, that the, that, the first round. That first round pick, I'm picking up the phone because I could do yeah. some stuff. Then I, I could do some late stuff. first rounder though. What if it's like that's, what the, that's what the Jags will give you? Like what is that pick twenty? What is what is Jags pick? They're, they're, so that, they didn't make that, mean, that means they didn't that make the playoffs, right? So that's pick like sixteen. Yeah, I guess it's mm-hmm. is it sixteen? Hey, bro, hold it. No, I'm taking that. The Jags. You taking 16? If we got 18, they got to have like 16. But think about, okay. Somebody said they got 17. So the last person that did that was Tennessee. You remember how that went? They traded A.J. Brown. Brown. They traded A.J. Brown, and then they drafted. They were stupid, though. They don't know how to draft wide receivers. But this this, this, didn't work out, though. This is, and we got to go to our sponsors. I was just going to say, though, to take a first round pick that high, I'm Brock Bowers in my situation, and I'm probably getting a wide receiver. And you know what I'm saying? I got I can I can I can make some moves happen. And I'm getting $20 million back. And and that will be the argument against it. But we we gotta go to that. Yeah, we're gonna go to our sponsor, Midwest Best Barbecue. Wings, 
Midwest Best is the place to be for Q and Wings. Midwest Best is the place to be for Q and Wings. It's the AC to the Zim, M to the B's. Uno Wings, Zipa Wings, and them CTVs. Midwest Best is the place to be for Q and Wings. Midwest Best is the place to be for Q and Wings. Say what up to Jordan Battle, we be going to battle. Intercepting balls like CTV did on Seattle. Putting six up on AZ. Juice gang amazing. Make sure you come get these wings. The Zimby stay blazing. And T game be smooth as ice. Jamal making DJs fold. TV got big levels. And now you are ready. So hits are pretty for Uno wings. Cam got the new wings. We call them CTBs. Only at MBs. Ace to the Zim. M to the B's. M to the B. Shout out to Midwest Best Barbecue 669, Justice Court in Loveland, Ohio. Some of the best wings that I've ever had in my life. I'm not capping. If you haven't been there, make sure you stop in. Let them know Ace and Zim sent you. Um, they're doing something special. Uh, they actually already did this, unfortunately. They did a dine and donate. Um, so they're a part of the community. Uh, where, you know, they give back to the community. They were able to raise some money for the Milford Eagles Baseball Club. Um, so that not only are they providing great food and, and cheering for the Bengals, they're doing things for the community. So shout out to Midwest Best Barbecue. Make sure you stop in there. They also have the brisket stew popping off. So make sure you get some of that. Uh, but some of the best food in Cincinnati, man. I can't wait to take a trip back to the city. Always stop by Midwest Best. Make sure that I get me some of that that tea and that Arnold Palmer and some sliders. Me and Zim, whenever we in the city, we always like, all right, when we when we sliding by Midwest, and we pay our own money when we go there. We not, it's not like, hey, give us some free food just because that money is worth or that food is worth it. Um, so it's it's a great experience. What's up, yeah. partner? One of my favorite spots in the whole entire world. Um I, I love that episode. I thought that was really good. I think we got some real good clips. Make sure anybody that is, you know, watching the show today, make sure y'all check that one out and send it to other people that you know, because I feel like people really need to understand these are some players that the Bengals should be targeting. I know that the Super Bowl is next week, but in my mind, we got to start mentally preparing to like these are guys and targets that we're looking at and then kind of combining those forces with the upcoming draft in the spring. So, we got some big dates coming up up in March, too, as far as our roster goes, too. And I think it'll give us a lot of uh, insight what's going on. I wanted to talk to y'all real quick about my boys at Gas NYC. Check out my man Joey B smoking gas on the side of this. So just go look up Gas NYC on this uh, on their website or whatever. This ha has all this suede on the front. It's beautiful. It feels good. I love this hat so much. This is like my new favorite hat. I can't wait to try this out at a Bengals game or when we go back to Cincy and just see. Is the luck still? Is the luck in, instilled in this? Do, is this going to help me spark up some ops in the, in the stadium or whatever that day? But shout out to them guys over there. This is this is like my favorite hat right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, um, that is going to wrap up the show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Cincinnati Pod on Twitter. Uh, at Zim Hude, at New Stripe City. Also, be sure to check out the Bengals post. Me and Zim are going to be joining them uh, very soon. We're going to do the 2005 versus 2015 debate. So definitely uh, stay tuned to that. Uh, but 
Um, thank you guys for listening to the Winsonetti podcast. I'm Ace, he's Zim, and we out. It's an exciting time to be a Bengals fan. I'm Ace, he's Zim. We got a special show as always. The voice of the Bengals. Dan Moore. Willie Anderson. Corey Dillon. The name of this thing is called Winsonetti, and I'm not going to stop it. Talk to us about that roller coaster. I'm still gonna give you the same AJ. I'm gonna work as hard as I can to be the best. Always working here since I met y'all, boy. I gotta get you a top five receiver. <laughs> 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 Watch out for us.